1: Hello, welcome to Club Shay Shea.
0: I'm your host, Shea Sharp, also known as Shannon Sharp. For my very first podcast, there was no question who my very first guest was going to be. It's the guy that's inspired me, that made me the person that I became today, be it on the field and off. He made me a better sports player. He made me a better man. He made me a better father. He made me a better TV personality. So he really doesn't need any introduction, but I give him one anyway. My brother, Sterling Sharp.
1: All my life, been grinding. All my life, sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice? Got to roll the dice. to swap. All my life, I've been grinding. All my life, love. Yeah. All my life, been grinding. All my life, sacrifice, hustle pay the price. Want a slice? Got to roll the dice. to swap. All my life, I've
0: been grinding. All my life. Bro, how you doing? Hey, give me a little update. What's going on with you? Where are you right now in life? What's going on with you?
2: Beautiful Columbia, South Carolina it is hot, humid, sticky outside. So I'm just with the, you know, with COVID-19, I don't get a chance to play any golf on the road. So I'm just enjoying playing on the, playing here uh, at the house with my friends.
0: Playing your home course, huh? Yes, sir. Let me, I think the thing uh, you and I talk when we talk often, and I think the biggest thing that we get is people like, man, when your brother's on television and he's telling these stories, how much of that is real? How much of that is uh, 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 fiction? How much is him embellishing? So let's just start. Give us a little background. I because, cause people because because people because when I run into people, people don't think I'm telling the truth because people say, "Man, you're talking like you grew up in the '40s and the '50s." You and, yeah. and you you grew up in the you know late '60s, '70s, and '80s. So how can you say when you're eating this and how you live, Give the people a little background on how we grew up in rural South Georgia.
2: Well, we were we, we grew up in, a, well, basically in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but we were definitely raised old school, uh, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, you know, it, it was a time that, that that's just what we knew. And so when you repeat things that our grandmother or grandfather uh, said, it's actually kind of comical because it takes you, you know, even in, in 2020, it takes you back to 1974. It takes you back to 1979. It takes you back to 1983. So uh, I, you know, I tell people all the time, I said, yeah, that, that Barney Porter or Mary Porter definitely said it. And I'm just shocked that he remembered because he was, he's younger than me. I'm shocked he remembered and he's repeating.
0: I think that's the biggest thing because uh, Libby, our, our older sister, uh, we call Libby our real name is Cheryl, We call a Buck. You and I both have drop maybe basically call a buck now is that like well shannon how do you remember that when you was and i'm eight years younger than she is i'm three years younger than you you're five years younger than she is and she Mm -hmm. said how do you remember that and when i tell people i can remember everything that my grandfather ever said in my presence i can tell you every time granny was upset at me and i lived and i was 43 when she passed i can remember that stuff because it was so impactful on me.
2: You know, it's one of those things that, and I tell people this, I try to get people to understand this all the time about memories. And I'm like, what you remember about my playing career, and what I remember about my playing career is totally different. Right. Um, And so what you remember is, I mean, you know, in hindsight, once we left Glenville, you know, to go to college and -hmm. and to go on to the NFL, it was amazing that how many instances or situations we found ourselves in where we could hear our grandmother or grandfather's voice in our head. So while it may seem surprising to a lot of people, I'm not surprised because Mary and Barney said a lot of profound things in ways that weren't just blatantly teachable. Like when, you know, we would be riding in the car with him and we would see a car on the side of the road and he would say, that car has not enough, has too many drivers and not enough fixers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it took me forever to realize that he was saying that the only person in charge of fixing that car is the driver. The rest of the passengers don't care whether he gets it fixed or not because they just don't get with another friend. So he, he just made it a, or had a habit of saying things that were teachable moments to us that may not be teachable to other people who may have heard it.
0: Did you think at the time, because, and I tell people, and we don't, I don't talk about this a whole lot. My grandfather was in the war, World War II. He got drafted to World War II. Although mm-hmm. he didn't go overseas and fight, he was there. And he was very t- militaristic. He was very disciplined. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very matter of fact. You had, did not have to uh, uh, assume <laughs> where you stood with Barney Ford. Nope. You did not have nope, to sir. assume what he was thinking. He told yes. you exactly what he was thinking. At the time you were going through that, like I said, you know, my grandpa uh, passed in 1977. Um, mm-hmm. You were 12, uh, mm-hmm. about to be 12. I was yeah. eight, about to be, uh, about to be nine. Um, did you think at the time that, man, this joke was really tough on you. We, some, we just, we just kids. We're not grown men.
2: No, that was all we knew. Um, remember, we didn't go spend time at other friends' houses. We didn't get a chance to see how the other family dynamic of our friends worked. We we only were around uh, Barty Porter, who was the head of our family, uh, and our aunts and uncles. And so basically, everybody was like him. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting that we it, it was it was definitely not a democracy. It was definitely a dictatorship. <laughs> uh, and and but the thing about uh, being in that situation is we didn't know anything different. So you know if he said uh if he said you know i really wish i'd get this trash out of here he wasn't basically saying he would hope somebody would find it in themselves to go take it out <laughs> whoever heard his voice he wanted the trash take it out he wanted to take it out right then so no I, I i tell you what and i said you know it wasn't hard uh growing up that way because that was the only way we knew
0: did when people when i tell people how we live in the 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 <laughs> Thousand square yeah. foot cinder block home. Yeah,
2: hey, hey, Libby, yeah. Libby, wish you would stop telling that story he too. Does. By the way, he gets, <laughs> he gets, he, gets,
0: he gets, Buck gets very upset when we yes. tell the story about the thousand square foot cinder block home with no mm-hmm. indoor plumbing, mm-hmm. uh, a tin roof that you could actually lay on your back and you could see the sky from the bed. And That's correct. Train, and I told the story in my Hall of Fame speech. Mm-hmm. But growing up in that environment, what? Because when I, I also spank, you know, we tell when I tell people, i never spent the night at a friend's house. I've never spent the night at a family member's house, and people can't believe that.
2: Correct, I, I, and that the first time I stayed away from home, I went to 4-H camp at at, uh, at Cherokee, I think yep. it was. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I think then God, I was a. Senior no,
0: then. it was it a uh, Rock Eagle.
2: Rock Eagle, Rocky, yeah, you was, but I couldn't, were, I couldn't... You
0: were a member of the Cherokee tribe.
2: I couldn't remember what it was because it was so long ago, but yeah. Um, the thing is, is when you grow up that way and that's the only way you know, mm-hmm. you don't have anything to compare it to because, yeah, right. we saw our friends every day at school and some at church, but you had nothing to compare it to. So guess what? It was our norm, and our norm was, you know what, God, I I, I wish the roof didn't leak. You know, I wish we didn't have to get up, you know, Monday through Sunday and, you know, herd hogs or pick tobacco or grind feed or, you know, I, I wish we didn't. But that's what we knew. And, you know, you and I used to talk all the time about the only thing we wanted to do was play football and we knew we were gonna never get the chance. Uh, to play football because we were always working. So Mm -hmm. when you know that's all you know, there is no, I'm gonna make it better because you're gonna make it better. How? All you know is farming. So that was all we knew.
0: Did you think when we were working the hours and I always use the term can't the can't and people like what the can't the can't mean? (laughs) Can you explain to people that's gonna be watching this, what can't the can't (laughs) can't mean? Uh, you, you
2: see what you, you, you working from the time you can't see when you get up until you can't see at night. It's, it's dark to dark and it's, it, the job is never done. It's just, you got to go home and get some sleep. It's not like, you know, it's a nine to five or I finished my work. I'm going to get off early. We never got off early. There was no such thing as, you know what? We're finished picking this tobacco. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to take the rest of the day off. No, mm-hmm. that, that never happened. So, But like I said, Shannon, you know, it, it's easy in hindsight to go back and say how tough we had it. And it's easy in hindsight to try and make our upbringing so much different from everyone else by going, you know, living in a house that didn't have running water, rain, you know, looking at the sun, we can lay in bed and watch the sunrise, uh, that kind of stuff. You know what it did? It, it, it didn't make us stronger. It just made us. We were like, if, if it was to be, we were going to have to do it. And we were always like that from our, our playing days. Is Hey, we were great teammates, I'd like to think. But if there's an opportunity to make a play, Coach, put it on me. Because I can accept the success, but I can also accept the failure if it doesn't go our way. And I think that's strictly because of how we were brought up. And I, I say this to, to people, and, and I used to say it to young people when I spoke more all the time. It ain't by accident that two guys from Glenville, Georgia, not only graduated from college, but made it to the NFL. That ain't by accident, but it's not by design either. I mean, I just think that, you know, and I tell people, you learn a lot about guys. If you tell me how they were raised and tell me what their experiences are, I could tell you who they are and how we were raised. Uh, we had similar experiences from the time we left Glenville until the time you got into television. Our lives were pretty much mirror images of each other even though we're you know we we're two three years apart in age but we're two years apart in athletics
0: when give people some background of kind of some of the jobs that you and I had when we were growing (laughs) up. Because I think the thing is, because a lot of times, like I said, when I'm on television and people automatically assume, if you get on television, you're embellishing it. You're embellishing, yeah, make make yourself look good, yeah. Five, six, seven years old. So give the people a little backdrop of kind of some of the jobs you and I had.
2: Well, well, we, we had a family. Remember, it was our grandmother, grandfather, me, you, and our sister, not to mention our Aunt Jane, our Aunt Shermadine, our Aunt Gladys, and sometimes our Aunt Marinelle living in that Thousand-Foot block house, too. Correct. So it wasn't like there was a lot of room, but also, our job.
0: Also Dietrich.
2: Dietrich, my so- uh, our, our yeah. nephew, was there. So guess what? It, it wasn't like we had chores and we could finish our chores. We definitely had to go to school and church. Those two things were must. We were at school, we were at church, but then there was the tobacco picking and the, uh, you know, planting my grandmother's garden. There's also the moving and the situating of the the hogs that we had, grinding of the feed. So when hogs got out, it wasn't like, you know, hey, we we lost a hog, oh well, we gotta go search for it. So we were going through hell and high water in situations where I am to this day, I am still amazed that none of us ever got bit by a snake and none of us ever died because of snake bite. <laughs> because I can remember our times wrapping our hands around tobacco stalks and there'd be an eight foot rattlesnake wrapped under, sitting under a leaf, or we were walking through swamps in the day of the summer and never got bit by a moccasin. I, I'm amazed, but we had, and not to mention, and I'll talk just about you and I, when we were in high, when I was in high school, you would have been in middle school, we would get up and go to school, Go and go to practice, go home. And as soon as we got home from practice, we had to get in uh, Earl Bacon's or our Uncle James's truck to go catch chickens, where we were making a dollar a thousand. And we would, you know, it's hard to no, catch chickens. No, no, chicken no, no, go, back, go back to
0: that. Because how much were we making? If you caught we a, a chickens, how much money? Dollar,
2: you we were making a dollar a thousand. So you, for every thousand chickens that were in that house, each individual got paid $1. So imagine working from 11 to 2 catching uh, (laughs) uh, 14,000 chickens, you made $14 or 10,000 chickens, you made $10. Right. And so you get home at three and you had to clean yourself up, try to get as much sleep as you can because uh, seven o'clock and on the way to school was happening the next day. So it, and like I said, as tough as it seems or sounds now, wasn't that bad back then because guess what we, we got to be with our friends or our cousins. Right. Uh, we were making money. So it was a good deal for us.
0: Well, the school was, was the easy part. It was the summer when you yeah. had to work in tobacco. And then yeah. you come home. Remember, we would come home. Not only did we play during the lunch break, we would eat, play basketball. Grand's like, boy, come in here. Y'all will have a heat stroke. And sure I'm is. like, hold on. <laughs> you said it's too hot to play basketball, but it's not too hot to work in the field. And we were
2: in a long sleeve shirt. We were in a long sleeve shirt and blue jeans in the field. It wasn't like we were dressing cool. We got a long sleeve shirt and blue jeans on dressing in that tobacco field. So, yeah, it was those were were some definitely different times uh, for us growing up. But I definitely believe it definitely helped shape how we were uh, from the time we left Glenville until the time we got to television.
0: I'm about to tell a story about how, like, we were working to back a field, and then we would play, and then we had to get ready to get on that chicken truck that night. So we were working, and I remember, <laughs> I remember because you at uh, at the time I was making five bucks a day. You remember, you remember when I told Granny I was making five bucks a day. Livy told, La- <laughs> <this. Lily, laughs> told Granny that. Hold on, let me tell you. told Granny that Lanny and I, Lanny is our first cousin, yeah. that all- Grady and Shannon did was play. Uh-huh. What did Granny tell me?
2: It's If he making five bucks a day, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. She said it was too much money. And, and I I agree because all you and Lanny were buying were Diet Cokes and honey buns anyway. Okay. You were... <laughs> okay.
0: Let's tell the story. Let's tell the story. Mr. Joe, who was our boss at the time, Joe Tatum, he just passed yeah. recently. He set us up. Uh, a, cre- a line of credit at the at the convenience, at store. A convenience store yeah and so we could go in there and get anything we want on credit knowing that Mr. Joe was going to bring us in there we we're going to cash our check and we can pay so when Mr. Joe said he was going going to the going to the town going to the store <laughs> what would I always get I was probably six or seven years 300 old bars <laughs> <get> 300
2: buns <laughs> 300 bars and three coats three sodas i'm like he couldn't get one and one this <laughs> joe bring me 300 buys and three Colas. every time he had to go it was three and three <laughs> it,
0: it was it was three it was three and three but, it was
2: three and three
0: but do you remember also mr joe he had he had a farm and he had cattle and cattle eat hay somebody mm. had to bail that hay mr yep. joe had a big farm he had yep. pizza. he had watermelons uh, yeah. we had the uh, 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 broader second year. He had yeah. Oprah, he had yep. tomatoes. We That's had right. to pick up pecans for the dashers. That's correct.
2: That's correct. We had a lot of jobs. And the thing was, is we would have done even more just to put money in our pockets to lessen the load on granny. At the time she was the only breadwinner for the most part in the house or in living. Right. And so we would have done anything to buy our own clothes, Uh, buy our own shoes, buy our own basketball, our own basketball shoes, football shoes, track shoes. We would have done just about any and everything. And and as you remember, I mean, there were some times during the summer when we would have, you know, training camp, basically, where we were practicing at night that we had to make a decision whether we were going to practice or we were going to catch chickens. Because if we didn't go make money, we didn't have any money for the away games or to eat before games and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So... And I, and I, and, I, and I don't like telling the story because it's hard to understand in to now day and age. But but you touched on Joe and and Miss you know Miss Joanne just passed uh, about a month ago. Uh, Joe Tatum and Miss Joanne and I say this to people all the time. I think we have a better understanding of white people and race because of how uh, Joe Joanne Tiny and their family treated us. Correct right. because. We could have gone either way, but the way the Tatum brothers treated us and their families uh, definitely made sure that I understood that all white people weren't evil. It made me understood that, you know what, when you get to know someone, it's easier to get understanding from that person. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I say in this, you know, in this difficult racial time that we live in, I feel a certain way uh, about it because of our relationship ex- and experiences uh, with with definitely Mr. Joe and Miss Joanne Tatum. When did you know you were good at sports? I never knew. Uh, I never really knew uh, that I was good at it because remember the first time I ever touched a football in an organized game, I was on kickoff return. I ran it back for a touchdown. It got called back and the team had to re-kick it they kicked it off and I ran it back for a touchdown. But, but I just why, thought okay. that.
0: Was, why did the first t- tell the story? Why the first touchdown <laughs> got called back?
2: Celebrated before I got in the end zone, and and so it was a fifteen yard penalty and a re-kick. And so when they kicked it off again, I ran it back for a touchdown. And I was too tired to celebrate. Or I might have gotten that one called back. <laughs> but you know, I, I did. I never really looked at myself being good. I always looked at it like I looked at. Uh, riding a tractor or picking tobacco or, or shelling peas or, you know, cutting onions. There's a job to do, and I got this amount of time to do it. And I did not play high school football to go to college. I played high school football because I wanted to play high school football. I didn't play college football to go to the NFL. I played college football because I wanted to play college football. And I did those two, you know, high school and college until it was time to move on. And when I finished with college, it was time to move on. And you were with me when I got drafted and and you were highly disappointed. I might tell America he was highly disappointed that the Green Bay Packers drafted me because he didn't want me to go to Green Bay because I wasn't going to win any games and they weren't any good. Instead (laughs) of looking at it as, hey, I got drafted in the first round going to Green Bay. But I just looked at it as I wanted to play. That's the only thing in my life I've ever wanted to do was play football. I didn't have a contingency plan. You know, if I if I go to college and I don't make it, then I'm going to open up a business. No, it was just I'm going to college to play football and whatever happens after that, I'll attack that the same way I attack playing football.
0: Well, I played football because I thought if I played football, that would get me out of some chores. <laughs> but Barry, no. say, if you play football, you still go cut the grass. You still, still got do this it. stuff to do. So it didn't get me out of anything. All it did was give me an opportunity to get involved in an activity, but I still had work to do when I got home.
2: Since we're airing all our dirty laundry, I figured we might as well tell America as much as we can. Remember our competition before we started playing organized sports was... Yes who could cut the grass the fastest? <laughs> I mean, we, we got a push in lawnmower and right. we're trying to see who could cut the grass the fastest and the best. That was our competition. Right. And and so we basically learned competition through you and I cutting the grass or the fourth Sunday, second Sunday get togethers with our cousins where we divided up into teams and did whatever, whether it was basketball or softball or whatever the case may be. Grace, r- sack race sack races, running backflips.
0: Arnold and, and I. Re- used to you, re- you remember when you left to go? When you left to go to South Carolina, the road that we lived on was still dirt.
2: Yes. No. 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 no, Because remember, our grandfather said he would I never, will never live to see this road paved. Right. And he died. And it, as a matter of fact, when they brought his body by the house, it was paved. It was paved.
0: Are you sure? Yes, I'm
2: I'm, I'm, I'm I'm 100% sure because that was the biggest thing is he said, I will never live to see this road, paid," and he didn't.
0: I'm I'm going to disagree with you. And you know, I don't like to disagree with you, but I'm going to have to disagree because you remember when my senior year, obviously you were already gone, the bus didn't come by the house. I had to walk to the end of the road.
2: Yes. And in the
0: process of me walking to the end of the road, I walked on the side of the road because the road wasn't paved i'm almost uh, certain I, I, i'm almost
2: certain that it was definitely done before uh well, it was done at before we, we my got,
0: we got a little weight wa- we got a little wage on that <laughs> all
2: right all right okay
0: <laughs> what did uh, obviously when papa died in 1977 the dominant male figure the head of our family was gone okay mm-hmm. now you're the dominant male voice in the house mm-hmm. for me you got a little brother so what what was going through your mind about how do i make sure i'm the man of the house but also make sure that i take care of my little brother
2: i knew you were watching and we learned a lot of what we learned remember we learned how to drive by watching other people drive correct so it was easy for us to drive when it was our turn because we had been watching you know our grandfather would tell us to get on this tractor and follow him and don't hit anything and you're like wait what (laughs) <laughs> you've been watching me you should know how to do it I, right really so that's how it's done
0: yeah he didn't tell you how to he didn't tell you about about, about the, never uh, to, the gears never or anything sh- like that he Mm-mm. said you watched me long enough you yes. should be able to do it
2: never showed you how to do things you no. should weren't learned by watching no. uh I, the thing i thought shannon was this is that it wasn't that that i didn't know right from wrong it wasn't that i needed to step up and say okay, I'm not a man of the house. It was, we always learned by watching. And Mary Porter was still in charge. Mary Porter was still in charge. And the thing was, let's do everything in our power to make sure what she has to do or say to us is as minimal as possible. We're not gonna cause her any problems. We're not, because guess what? We already know what we're supposed to do. And so when we got, and you know, and I tell people all the time, we got to play football because our grandfather passed. That's how we got to play. Correct. Because other than that, we would have never had a chance to play because we would have still had to work on the farm.
0: And he made it abundantly clear because we would,
2: yeah. If our uncle, remember
0: Thurman broke his collarbone. James broke his broke uh, his
2: leg. Yeah. Right. So we would never get to play because his sons got hurt. So we weren't going to ever get a chance to play. Right. But I never looked at it as as something we needed to change or do. I just looked at it as I got a job to do, and my job was, you know, finish the seventh grade, get get on to the eighth grade, and uh, and and to that was the, the. So it wasn't like it was. And I I I try not to make this comparison, but I do. It's, not, it's like being a leader. Everybody thinks that the team leader is the guy that says the profound thing at this time or does the profound thing. Sometimes the leader of the team says very little and does quite, probably the most. Uh, and I tell people all the time, I played with two of the best kickers in NFL history uh, in Chris Jackie and Max and Dejas, but they never called a team meeting. Because nobody, nobody's kicker is going to call a team meeting. So right. I, I just didn't think there was anything that needed to change except for we're going to get a chance to play football and we need to do everything we can to lighten the load on Mary
0: Ford. Do you remember, um, as you mentioned, that like once Papa passed, but do you remember Papa having a conversation with us and asking us what we wanted to do uh, about? And he says, I don't care what you do, but all I care about, do you finish, finish what he told us?
2: Well, that, I mean, that, that list is long because, you know, he was big on, you know, whatever you do is your life. There are going to be a lot of lives like that. And, and I, I, you know, this is my life. There are many like it, but this one is mine. And whatever you do, just make sure you do it to the best of your ability or you do your job better than anyone else does anything else. And so, you, you know, what I, I in, in all those conversations where he would throw stuff at us, it was just a matter of, I don't ever want you to do something looking for someone else to say job well done. When you do something, you do it to the point to where you look at it and you say you did a good job, which is how you and I learned to cut the grass and have those conversations. (laughs) Look at how I cut, look during, I didn't leave a strand standing nowhere. Look at my lines are straight, You know Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So it's just a combination of watching, and I think that's a, one of the biggest things that is missing from today's society is we don't have any more apprentice. We don't have people who learn to do a job before they get to do the job. Now everybody gets the job and you learn on the job. Right. Well, we learned, you know, we, he, was the, he was the master and we learned pretty much everything we do say and did, we learned from him.
0: I just remember him saying, he says, boys, I don't care what you become in life. Just never have to look me and your grandma in the eye and say I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that that stuck with me. So no matter what, as long as I didn't have to apologize for something that I had done, that I because like you said, he was big on personal responsibility. Yeah. Oh, you know better you know yes. right from wrong. And yet he did it Anyway, yeah. so for me that was the whole that was the whole thing. And once he passed, and people like well, and I tell people I was like I would really never went out in high school because no. once, I got, uh, no, once, we once did. I got done playing. I came back home because granny was so yes. by herself after you had gone to college. Yes. So that was my whole thing was to make sure I didn't cause granny. And, and, and Andy, no problems. Yes. That's no,
2: pro- And that was the thing is I, I'm like, you know, our job was to make her life easier. And if she didn't have to worry about where we were, Correct. she knew we had a game, but what time are we coming home? And, uh, you know, granny never told us what time to come home. No, we no. never had a curfew. I'm like I tell people all the time. When we wanted to go hunting, we didn't have to ask for a gun. We grabbed one and went. And I mean, we had six, eight, ten to choose from. Correct. We could grab anything from a thirty .ox six to a .30-30 to a twenty two rifle. We didn't have to ask. Can I borrow the? We grabbed the gun and head out the door. And you know, Arnold and, what, and what,
0: Eugene had their four tens. And what were unique about what was unique about all those guns? Every last one of them was what loaded available <laughs> Hey, available <Loaded. laughs> all all the time every
2: single one <laughs> of them from the 16 shot 22 to the nine shot thirty thirty to the eight shot 30-06 when they were in the house every single one of them was loaded and we it, never we never had an incident or an accident did, because
0: did it ever dawn on you to just to, to, to be playing with the gun no
2: no no because you know, when if you got a chance to play basketball or two hand touch or tag or whatever, playing with a loaded gun was nowhere near in our our future. So we basically we we you know what it was? We understood everything that a gun could do. We weren't afraid of them, but we had tremendous respect for. Them.
0: Okay. Your college, your you, you know, going to college was a lot different scenario than mine. <laughs> <laughs> That was your fault. Well, That's your you fault. But go, but go ahead. <laughs> you did well in school. Yeah. Not so much. I wanted to fool <laughs> around. You know, I was a class clown. And, and so yeah. my experience of, of getting into college and doing that was a lot different than yours. Tell the people about the conversation and what you told me when you left the university and you came back home and you sat me down and what you tell me.
2: Which part, about the the time when you weren't going to go to Savannah State, when you thought your abilities was bigger than Savannah State, and I was like, oh, no.
0: That, and I was going to go to the military. You were going
2: to go to the Army. Yeah, (laughs) it it was just, you know, the thing was, is I was like, a lot of your life, most of your life, or all of your life, had been watching those of us in front of you. And it was, I, I tell people, I said, you know, I didn't realize I was older than my brother until it was time for me to go to college. Because then it was like, oh, my God, you, you got three more years of high school? Really? You know, so it, it it's like, but the thing was, is I didn't want to father you. I wanted you to be like, look, trust me, if you go to Savannah State and you stay there for a year, get your, do what you're supposed to do, I will do everything in my power to get you over at University of South Carolina with me because I knew what kind of person you were. I knew what your work ethic could be. I just knew that you were afraid to be different at the time because you had to be the class clown because that was your way in because you weren't the best looking dude in high school. So you weren't (laughs) going to get a whole lot of dates. So you had to, you figured out your way to get in was to be funny. The problem was that you were trying to be funny all the time. And so when the test was handed out, you were being funny and making some, unfunny F. (laughs) So so I just wanted you, I I knew what kind of person you were what kind of work ethic you had, So, but I just didn't want to, I I, I didn't want to word you to death. I wanted you to be like, look, this is still your life. Mm -hmm. I will help you, but I want you to understand this is still your life.
0: So I go to Savannah State. Mm -hmm. Things go okay, and we have a conversation um, after my sophomore year. Yes. I had an All-American. I'm a I'm conference player of the year. I'm all this. I'm Black college, All-American. I'm on the map. And I'm like, man, I want to go to the University of Miami. And uh-huh. you tell me, nah. No. They didn't want you.
1: They didn't ago. want you
2: when they had a chance to get you for nothing. Right. And now you done put this blood, sweat, and tears in Bill Davis's system. And you on the map. And now all of a sudden, what, you prove to them you could play? What did you do that was different? You didn't do anything except for you got the opportunity and you took advantages of the opportunities you were given. Be like, no, hey, the NFL, you can, you can stay here. The NFL will find you.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
2: And they found
0: you.
1: they, they, They found me. Now, I mean you made it, you
0: made it very conducive for me to stay, cause you say I got a little package, buddy, but you need to come get it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I I I I, you know, where I was driving a pickup truck I, when I was in school, my little brother drove a mercedes 300 e with 18-inch chrome wheels and a whale tail on the back.
0: But uh, that was the first. But what was I, the first? What was the first, first car you got me on uh, my sophomore year? The blue, the blue three hundred
2: ZX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would uh, call. You out. know where I was wearing my South Carolina University, of South Carolina football sweats to class. My brother was wearing eyes-eyed shirts with the matching red socks with the dock side of shoes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the yeah. creased blue jeans because <laughs> I, you know what? I, I and I I said this. Uh, at my, my college speeches that I always, you know, early on, I played for an audience of one. And I said, you know, everything that I did in football, I wasn't trying to impress anybody. There's one guy who knew what I was capable of and I was trying to do that to show, to show him. And I say, I've only been yelled at in athletics one time. I've only had a coach tell me I wasn't performing one time. And they go, who was it? And I go, my brother. As we were playing Southeast Bullet. We'd never beaten them. I'm the starting quarterback. Uh, I got Devin Durance as my my tailback. I got Pat Lewis on my right. And you came up to the fence and said, "Hey man, what are you doing? You fr- you scared? You know you 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 ain't playing like you supposed to play." Was the only time I've ever been talked to about my performance on the field. And I was like, hey, "From that moment on, that's never going to happen to me again only because Of course, I know better. Of course, I understand who I was uh, being a quarterback at at Glenville High School and being the type leader I wanted to be. But to have your younger brother come over and tell you, not a coach, not a teammate, somebody standing outside the fence, come over to the fence and tell you, look, you ain't doing what you're supposed to do, was very eye-opening and convincing and helping me in my athletic career. So I thank you for that
0: did appreciate that did you think that once you went to the league okay i'm a junior you're in the league You're a first round draft pick did you think that you know what i wonder if he's gonna slack off now is he still gonna be as hungry now that we that i've made it we've made it because it was always we it was never you it was never me it was we did you worry about me slacking off not doing what i was gonna what i was capable of doing now that i felt that we've had success
2: Uh, No, because you were always the person that was like, okay, let me see it. Let me understand it. Let me get it. Now let me exceed what you have done with it. So whatever I did, excuse me, whatever I did, I always knew that you were like, let me learn how to do it. Okay, let me try it. Okay, let me put my spin on it. Okay, now let me do it better than you. So I always knew that whatever I did, you were going to try or you were going to, to attempt to do it better than I did. So no, I never worried about, once, once, once I got you to Savannah State, I was done. I, I was like, this is gonna be easy because once I got you to Savannah State and then once I showed you how we work out, once I showed you how we condition, once I showed you how we watch film, once I talked to you about this is what I see, it was done because I was like okay he's gonna get it he's gonna learn it and then once he puts his spin on it he's gonna do it better than I did it I mean here I am an all-american and doing all these wonderful things at the University of South Carolina and then all of a sudden they got a guy at Savannah State who's averaging scoring a touchdown every three catches you go wait a minute how do you score a touchdown every three catches and then I went and watched you guys play Savannah State and I think the score was like 98-96 but I'm like this dude's running up and down the field. So I, I just I never really concerned myself. The biggest scare or fear factor I had pertaining to you was before when you were like, I'm not going to Savannah State. Because at that moment, I was like, okay, he, he's he's embarrassed. He is he's broken, he's embarrassed, he's humbled, and all I know is is if I if I can If I can convince him to go, and it wasn't a convincing, I knew if I said go, you were gonna go. If I said, yeah, go to the army, you were gonna go to the army. If I just said, guess what, we're gonna sell drugs, you would have sold drugs. I just thought that we were connected that way. So it was an opportunity for me to go, let's hold off on the army, let's go to Savannah State and see what happens.
0: Of all the things that you've done in your life, what's the hardest job you've had?
2: Wow, that's a good question. Um, I really and truly don't think I've had one, Shannon, to tell you the to God truth. I mean, because playing football is what I wanted to do. Uh, but when you do something that you want to do, you have to always be prepared to quit. And I was always prepared to quit. And I, I remember when the doctor told me I was not going to play in the NFL anymore. Uh, I flew back from Indianapolis and I knew if I could go to sleep I'd be fine. I knew if I could go in the room and go to sleep I would be fine and I was able to do that And I, I've I have never been prepared for the next step. The next step has always happened to me So uh, like when I left high school, I wasn't prepared, you know, I wasn't like, okay What am I gonna do now? Hey, you're gonna go to college. Okay, you finished playing college. Okay, what am I gonna do now? You're gonna go to the NFL. Okay, the NFL uh you don't go to you know after the NFL you go okay I'm in a neck brace what am I going to do now I, I was lucky and fortunate enough to get the job at ESPN from ESPN the NFL network so I've never really been prepared for the next step but I've always been prepared for whatever the next step was going to be
0: did well for me football is the easiest thing I've ever done um because I guess because it's something that you know God gave us the ability we were mm. able to cultivate that ability and I think mm-hmm. all the other things uh, the cropping of tobacco, the clipping of the uh, uh, the onions, fields, and, and pulling peanuts, and loading watermelon, and baling. Hey, I think all those made it really easy for us to play football. For the sure. simple fact, we were spending eight, nine, ten hours a day in the sun. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can do that and make five dollars a day, make ten dollars a day. You mean to tell me you can't <laughs> spend three hours in the sun a day and yeah. make a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars a year?
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, I, you know, and, and I say this, and that's the thing is how you were raised and what your experience are, so, experiences are says a lot about who you are. And I think our how we were raised and our experiences definitely prepared us to be in a position to succeed at whatever it was uh, we ended up doing. I mean, I, I'd like to think that I worked hard. But I definitely didn't work any harder than you or, or Jerry Rice or Michael Irvin or, I, I, you know what? I did what my body and mind and what I was able to do. I mean, some of the best years of, that I had in the NFL is when, you know, me, you and Harold Green lived together and worked out together and ate together and swam together. And those were some of the best years because you were surrounded in that bubble by people who eat, sleep, drink, and believe what you eat, sleep, drink and believe and i just think that when you're surrounded by that kind of energy that that's what's going to happen. So i've always been surrounded by people who felt the same way i felt and saw the same things i saw but the thing about with you and i is is, is our the way we were raised and our experiences definitely made i don't think we ever went had a uh, ever went to work because even you know before we knew what work was it was just something we had to do. So I I I can't say that I really had a hard job. I I really can't.
0: So you obviously you're in the NFL. I'm still in college, and I was like, you have all the nice cars. You got the 911 slant nose white convertible with the navy interior. You got the red Strosik. You got the M3. You got all these cars, and I just say, bruh, you know I need, I need to fly a little bit. You know I need to hook hook it up. Why were you so comfortable letting me? Have access to a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar car, and here I am in college, and you know I only wanted it for the sole purpose. The honeys need to see your
2: boy. They needed it, yeah, because you were an ugly dude, and you wanted to be seen. I knew I, I, I I was just trying to help you out. You know, the thing was, is that's how we were. We shared everything. I mean, you know, we we never. It was never we had something that was ours growing up. So in having something, you know what? If you know my here's my, i I'm driving this you know this uh nissan three hundred z okay you have you take it uh you know it was just that we we had always shared everything, so it wasn't like I had arrived or made it and was like okay now i'm you know i got this you know hundred and sixty thousand dollar porsche, and guess what you know you can't drive that or I got the first three hundred e uh coupe uh SL Coupe in South Carolina, and you can't. I know you're gonna go down to the beach and wreck it. I already know. No, 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 I know you're gonna wreck it. that's not. I, I <laughs> wanted you. I wanted you to have the same experience from day one. I've always wanted you to have the same experience I had.
0: But you got ahead. You weren't, You wasn't supposed to tell that. Well, okay. But since you <laughs> since you already went there, I said, hey, bro, I need yeah. I need the convertible Mercedes. Yep. We go down to Daytona, Black College Beach Week. I said, "Need that?" You said, "Okay, come get it." You yep. good? Okay, I get it. I call you about Friday night. You will answer the phone. <laughs> I leave you a message. What was on? The, what was the voicemail? Hey,
2: bro, I just called and let you know I junkyard your car, man. I was like, "Wait, what does junkyard mean?" <laughs> Did he? <laughs> I'm like, "Wait, what does junkyard mean?" You were. You were looking around and I, I want to say, who was with you? Were you by uh, yourself or was anybody No, no,
0: no, uh, What you got with me? Uh, uh, bars.
2: But one of your boys from Savannah State. Yep, yep. And looking around at the honeys and drove up on somebody's trailer hitch and ripped the grill out.
0: I did, I did.
2: Yeah, that was, uh, but no, that, that, that was the thing though is it was like whatever my experiences are, I want him to have the same. You know, it's like my friends in golf now, I play golf. I don't want them to be great at tournament golf i want them to play every day like i play and enjoy playing whether it's a 68 or a 78 because it's a fun game and i'm not gonna win at it i'm gonna play it and mm-hmm. so i just wanted you to have the same experience as i had
0: you get to the nfl and what people don't know is that i know is that you're a talker but for some reason something happened in green bay early in your career as you mentioned, you were the first, you were first round pick, the seventh pick in the draft. You were the second receiver behind Tim Brown. Tim, I think, if I'm not mistaken, with six. You mm-hmm. went seven. And Mike I think Michael Irvin went eighth or ninth. 11.
2: Yeah so, yeah.
0: so what transpired in Green Bay that says, you know what? I'm out.
2: Uh, you know, the thing was, is I was never asked a question for me that I could answer. I was always asked loaded questions. For instance, Lindy Infani was my head coach, and they would always say, well, Coach Infani said this, and I would have to respond instead of asking me, what am I going through? And so I was like, and and you were with me that offseason, I was like, yeah, they're going to want to talk to me, and I ain't going to have anything to say. So Mm -hmm. it kind of was twofold. It was kind of, they never asked me. They were always asking loaded questions. Hey, Lindy, Coach Infani said you're too big. I was 219 when you drafted me and all of a sudden I'm too big now. And so, you know, what am I going to say? You know, so I was like, if Coach Finney says I'm too big, I'm going to, you know, I need to get down to whatever Coach Finney says I need to get down to. But and then I was like, you know what, I'm going to make them want to talk to me and I'm not going to talk. And it just so happened that the next year I was fortunate enough with some really good quarterback play from Don Mikowski and an outstanding defense. I was able to lead the league and catch his yards and touchdowns, which made everyone take notice and be like, oh, my gosh, he's having this kind of year, and he won't talk. So it, it started out kind of as a twofold thing, and, but then you know what it, what it did? It worked for me because the biggest thing that it helped me is I didn't have to, as a first-round draft pick in the small fishbowl of Green Bay, Wisconsin, I didn't have to defend how I played. I didn't have to explain what my learning curve was. I didn't have to go through the, you know, oh, I want to do this, but I can't. It helped me so much. And watching the first round picks, you know, while the time I was there, they were constantly being scrutinized or having themselves scrutinized their own play. And I thought it hurt them because they had to defend themselves each and every day, whereas I didn't have to.
0: I remember uh, my draft experience was a lot different than yours. Um, I'm at your your house. And remember, at that time, the draft was on a Sunday. Yes. And so I come up up that Saturday, and I'm Mm -hmm. spending the night with you. Uh, I'm at your house. Harold Green also was in that Mm -hmm. draft. And so I'm looking. And I know I hadn't really heard from anybody, so I thought the first round was likely off the table. But everybody had a grade on me somewhere between the first and the third round. We we
2: we we definitely talked about two talk between two and three. We talked two and three.
0: That is correct. And then all of a sudden, the day Harold, Harold gets a call, Harold gets drafted in the second round. He's going to Cincinnati, and all that. Corey,
2: Corey Miller goes in the in a fourth fifth round of New York, mm-hmm. something like that. Sixth round, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I don't get a call, and I go up and I go upstairs, and I remember you coming in the room. What, what did we talk about?
2: We talked about that. Guess what? All you want is a change. All you want is a change. And that was Sunday night. Yes. Uh, remember, the other few rounds were the next day on that Monday. Correct. And so I was like, look, man, I know you're disappointed, and you're like, man, I've done this. And I was like, look, I know you're disappointed. But hey, it doesn't matter where you get drafted, all you want is a change. You go home. You go to bed. You go to sleep. We get up the next morning, eat breakfast. We go over to the stadium to work out. Mm-hmm. You get a call from Dan Reeves, who, by the way, is a game, fellow game cop. Dan Reeves calls, I'm going to Denver. Well, I thought you going to Denver, you now in the NFL. I thought that was a great thing. I didn't realize you going to Denver, being in the NFL. I was still paying all your bills. So I, it was kind of a twofold thing for me because I'm like, how is he in the NFL? And I'm paying all his bills. and he in the same place, that same league? I in? but no, it was, a, I, I thought that was, it was different in the fact that when you left high school, you were one of the, considered one of the best athletes as a senior in the state of Georgia, set a triple jump record in the state of Georgia, which I think still stands. It does. When when you left college, you were one of the most dominant, whatever division you guys were in at the time, college wide receivers in the history of the sport. I think those two things, along with the fact that I was in front of you and I already had a measure of success, had you go, I know I can do it because he's doing it. And I've done everything he's done. So I know I can do it. But way do they get a load of me because they're getting ready to see somebody that got no pride. And I always say that's the most dangerous person. To the person that has no pride and no ego, you need to be real careful about them. And of course,
0: the rest of your career's history. I think that I, and you were proud. Obviously, you were proud that I got, you know, I, I decided to take your advice and go to Savannah State. You were proud that the, uh, uh, the Broncos gave me an opportunity. But I think the proudest you've been is when I called and told you I had made the Pro Bowl.
2: Because I, I, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to another Pro Bowl. I had been to two or three. It was a trip to Hawaii. It was like, OK, you know, I'm not going. And what was really great is you called and said, you made the Pro Bowl. One of my best friends at the time who played with me in South Carolina, Harold Green, had made the Pro Bowl. But it was really ironic that we all made the Pro Bowl and had like our better years was the year we all lived together, ate together, talked, watched movies, went to movies, we did everything together that off season. So it was kind of gratifying and surprising that we all had that success in 1992, was it? Yep. In 1992, uh, where we had the success that we had where we all were over in Hawaii.
0: And, and uh, actually, that was the first year in NFL history that a set of brothers had led different teams in the same season. In the same in season.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, Nineteen ninety-two was my first year with Mike Holmgren. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had gotten Brett Favre after Game Three, uh, after Don Mikowski got injured. We were a football team that was in search of an identity, and Mike brought a system in that just allowed my abilities to, to go to the next level with a quarterback that had a strong arm uh, that was fearless. So it allowed my career to take a, a turn in a direction where, I, you know, in 92, I led the league in catches. I did again in 93. Uh, I led the league in touchdowns in 94. Uh, someone showed me something the other day that since 1994, there's only one guy who's caught more touchdown passes than I ended with in 1994, and that's Randy Moss's 23, I think it was. So my 18 is the second most since 1994, which is kind of sillyly impressive as much as they throw football around. But yeah, I was I was I was real happy and proud of the fact that you know what, hey, my little brother made the Pro Bowl.
0: Yeah. I, and and I I'm
2: still that, paying all this bill. <laughs>
0: <Wow. laughs> Why wasn't making no money there? You know they got your boy on the cheap. You know that's not that what they're looking for. They're looking to get your boy on the cheap for that bargain. you <laughs> right. You mentioned that when the doctor you flew to Indy, and the mm-hmm. doctor advised you, he said if you were my son, mm-hmm. I would advise you not to play again. Mm-hmm. And I remember you calling me, and we having a conversation.
2: And you cried. (laughs) Yeah. You cried that I couldn't play anymore. Yeah. I, I, it was one of those situations to where I had an idea. It wasn't like it was a complete shock. You know, Mm -hmm. I had an idea. And I just think that, you know, what was disappointing was where my team was at that time. Right. Where you were in your career at that time. Uh, we had just played, uh, Denver had just come to Green Bay and we had played a Sunday night game, I think mm-hmm. it was.
0: 93, uh, That was, actually that was 93 that we came there.
2: Came there in 93, so it was our careers were kind of on the same. Finally, you decided to play some good football and join your <laughs> brothers, one of the best players in the league. Took a while, but you finally got there. <laughs> so it, I, I think that was the disappointing thing was, is my team was getting so much better. And you were starting to establish yourself as one of the best, not in the AFC, but in in football. And I think that was disappointing because, you know, finally we had gotten to a point in our careers where our careers could mirror. Because if you look at it, your team was getting better, like my team was getting better. Uh, uh, Your team uh, was headed in that direction and doing some things in the exact same offense. So you and I could talk. Uh, about offensive philosophies because Mike Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for Mike Holmgren uh, and learned, you know, at, at San Francisco had learned Mike Holmgren's system. So it, it was it was just disappointing because my teams had gotten better and you were playing at a at a Pro Bowl level Tidy, in and your team was getting better. And I, it's not ironic that a few years later your team and my old team met in the Super Bowl.
0: I remember um, calling you earlier in my career in training camp and not getting a whole lot of opportunities. And I remember you having a conversation because I, frust- I was very frustrated. I didn't, I, see, I didn't look at it like I'm a seventh round draft pick and, mm-hmm. you know, okay, you know, Vance and Mark Jackson, mm-hmm. Ricky Nittill, Michael Young, they had just come off the Super Bowl. I didn't look at it like, okay, you know, these guys are veterans. They've been here. They're going to get first crack. i just like, okay, I want to get an opportunity. And I remember calling you and and I was very down, and he, and you told me something. You like, bro, don't be down. He said, John Elway is going to call your number one day, and when he calls your number, just make sure you're ready.
2: And you weren't, you I mean, you weren't ready. He yeah. calls your number, and you would go in motion, and he would turn around and be like, run a corner, and you would go in, but he'd run a slant. I mean, what you else? ran oh, those.
0: Well, hold on, <laughs> to my defense, to my defense, I was playing wide receiver. I didn't know that during the week they would going to move me to tight end. So I was struggling just getting – I was just starting to get my that's, feet wet and, and have an idea. That's, that's,
2: that's your story. Yeah, that's the that's story you're going to put out on the internet. Yeah, that's the story. story. I got to dig with that one. I li- okay, let's go with that one then. But, no, and, and that was the thing is is I knew because I had seen a lot of guys that, that had come to Green Bay as free agents or higher, you know, six, seven 12th round draft picks. And I, I was just, I I seen that, you know what? All you need is a chance. You Mm -hmm. just got to keep looking at. I need a chance. I'm not asking for a handout, just a hand. Mm -hmm. And so when you get that opportunity, and 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 hey, look, you should have been cut six or seven times. (laughs) But but the thing was, I remember you, you. I remember you calling me frustrated. You may not remember this because my college quarterback also went to Denver that year.
0: Yeah, and
2: you remember what I told you were like. Your college quarterback about to get me cut.
0: <laughs> he about to get us both cut. I said, man, you, how how you put up all these numbers with him? I, and, and, and that's a true story. I called you, I said, bro. I,
1: I,
2: that was the funny. Yeah, you and my college quarterback, yeah. But uh, the thing was is you, all you needed was, the, you just needed to stay the course before the waters calmed and you were able, to, and, I, and I think that's probably the best thing about our relationship is I've always been able to say, the sake of saying hey Shannon it's time to go and and you were like okay let's go Uh, you never fought me on yeah but I'm putting up all these Shannon just 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 say just take a deep breath look man you're gonna get an opportunity John's gonna call your name what you don't want what I see here is when guys want the football they always seem to get it and then they drop it because they like they want it but they weren't expecting it. Right. And I was always able to talk you off the ledge so to speak and and that's that's just a combination of growing up and knowing one another as well as we do.
0: We win AL in in 97. We go to Pittsburgh, we I mean we have to go we're a wild card team so we have to go mm-hmm. on the road and beat Kansas City who had just beaten us 3 weeks earlier to win the division. So now we're going to be the wild card. We beat Kansas City in Kansas City. Now for the AFC Championship, we got to go to Three River, the old Three River Stadium, and play the Steelers, who had just ramshackled us about six weeks earlier. And winning that game, and we're going to the Super Bowl, and we have a conversation that night, you know, about what the expectations, although you had never been. And I just remember hearing the adulation in your voice, like, I'm like, Somebody wow. I really, really know. Somebody that I grew up next yeah. to is going to play in the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, that was the only thing. It, it didn't dawn on me at the time when you and I were talking that, oh, wait, your team is playing my old team in the right. Super Bowl. It was like finally someone, I, I mean, I had done a lot of work, done been in a lot of battles with the Brett Favres and the Robert Brookses. And the Edgar Bennett's and the Dorsey Levens, we had been teammates, and I I had an idea of what it took for them to get to you know get that team in the Super Bowl because they had just won one the year before. Mm-hmm. But with you, it was different because it was like, okay, he should have he he was going to the Army uh, to start off with, and then mm-hmm. he ended up going to Savannah State, all right, and then he wasn't getting drafted, and then he ends up going to Denver in the seventh round, and then. My old quarterback is not throwing him the ball in positions that he can catch it. So my old quarterback is about to get him and Shannon cut. So everything is starting to look like, you know what? This is this is supposed to happen this way. And I think the only time I left, since I left the NFL, that I ever went, what if, was what if I was playing for my team and he's playing with his team, playing in this Super Bowl? That would have been something else. That's the only time I've ever missed uh playing in the NFL. That's the only time. Not one time since I left, except for that time, did I ever miss playing in the NFL.
0: I don't think mama and Buck could have handled it. No, because now don't you gotta think, make I don't a decision. think Buck I don't think Buck, no. Buck could have handled it. Mama would have been fine because mama would have had a jersey with you know half Green Bay, half Denver. She didn't enjoy that. Okay, at least, but Buck couldn't have took it. My sister would no, she wouldn't have handled
2: that very well. That, that wouldn't have gone over very well. Because no. you know, the thing is, is they liked you better anyway. Because I and I say that like this. We ain't worried about what he gonna do. He gonna go and do, but the little one, that little oh, that little one, he gonna oh god, he we just hoping he don't end up in prison because there ain't no telling what that little one well, does. Tell, tell somebody, the
0: story what, what my grandma used to tell me at least once or twice a week.
2: Somebody go hit him in his old glob of mouth because that that's what's going to happen.
0: Or, or I'm going to end up, where was I going to end up?
2: <laughs> uh, I can't even say it because it's not right. But yeah, <laughs> she, thought, she thought for sure you're going to end up in prison. But I mean, the, but the thing was is, you know, I think she kind of knew and she never said, Hey, you need to talk to him or you need to do this. I think she kind of knew mm-hmm. that he 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 knows that there's a line and he knows he can't cross it, but he likes to live right up next to it. I like He's looking like, over the line. He the guy that stand like loves standing on the edge of a cliff. Now he got no intentions on jumping, and he really hoped nobody pushes him, but he loves standing on the edge of the cliff looking over. That you've always been that guy.
0: I have, I think the things. I think for granny is that what people don't understand is that I slept with granny until I was 15 years of age. So And you slept with papa Mm -hmm. and I slept with granny. And even after papa died, I didn't sleep with you. I still slept Mm -hmm. with granny. I didn't actually sleep in my own bed until you went to college in 1983. Mm -hmm. So here I am 15 years of age and I'm still sleeping with my grandmother. So there was a closeness there that, you know, for me, I, I was listening to what she said, but I wasn't hearing what she was saying. And, and, and she didn't and say a
2: lot, but she didn't say a lot though. No. And, and, and you didn't, I mean, it's not like you were, it's not like your your juvenile record had to be expunged. We ain't right. talking about that guy. Right. It was just that you, you know what, there, there were some things that needed to be done in history, English, and maybe geometry that you didn't do. Right. Uh, but other than that, it wasn't like you were a bad kid, you just, You just, it was hard for you to be planted where you, to bloom where you were planted because you always wanted to be some, you were always doing this.
0: I got, I got to get the last word in. You know, it's like, stop Shannon, quit Shannon, stop Shannon.
2: You know what? Somebody Somebody gonna hit that boy in his mouth one day and let's go, (laughs) yep.
0: (laughs) Let's talk, let's talk about your, let's talk about your career. Obviously you retire at the 29 years of age seven years in the season. And there have only been two seasons in which someone has caught more than 18 touchdowns. Jerry mm-hmm. Rice in 1987 had 22, Randy Moss broke that record in 2007 with 23. Mm-hmm. If you look at what you've done uh, up until the point you retired, nobody had that many, that many catches in a, uh, in a, to start a career like you have. Um, your last season, and what people don't understand about this, in your last six games, only one person in history has yeah. had that many touchdowns over a six-game stretch. Your last yeah. six games of your career, you mm-hmm. had 13 touchdowns. Only Jerry, record-breaking season, he had 14. And he you did that at, during the strike, so his is pretty impressive. Yeah, he did that yeah, during, during the strike. He season. did that during the strike short season. Yeah. And yeah. your last game, you had mm-hmm. nine catches, above 33, a buck 32, three. and three yeah. touchdowns.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And when you see the hall of fame. And I know it's something that's something that you don't talk about and you don't mm-hmm. politic for, mm-hmm. but do you believe looking at your resume and looking at the guys that you competed against the Michael Irvin's, the Jerry Rice, the Chris Carters, the Herman, Andre Reed, A- Andre Reed, Andre Rice, mm-hmm. and Tim Brown, do, mm-hmm. and four or five of those guys are in the hall. Do you believe your resume for seven years since Sterling Sharp should be in the pro football hall of fame?
2: Because it's you, I'm going to answer the question. Normally, I wouldn't answer the question because I'm like, I I can only get in based on what I did. Uh, But because it's you, I'm going to answer the question. And I would say, if, if the Hall of Fame is for what you did, everybody always talks about with me what I didn't do. And they go, if he would have played longer. And I always say, well, if you collect rocks, And if I collect rocks for three years and you collect rocks for seven years, there's a good chance you're going to have more rocks than me. Correct. And so when I look at the Hall of Fame, in my seven years, I led a receiving category, either catches, yards, or touchdowns. I, I did that a lot. And I did that in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I did not do that with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I got some catches in there for Bud Keys and Mike Norseth, and Mike Tomzak and Blair Keel, and Anthony Dillwig. I got some catches from those guys. Um, but I just think that everybody goes, everybody is in love with what they see. And, I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in Randy Moss and, and Terrell Owens, and I'm a firm believer in Hines Ward. I'm a firm believer in Ike Bruce. I, I mean, I, I got no problem with nobody who's in, but I'm like, if you're saying I needed to play longer, then you're punishing me because those guys played 12, 13, 14 years. So if if it took them 12, 13, 14 years to do what I did in seven, then are they Hall of Famers? And I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just making an argument. So I don't think about it. Don't talk about it. I I was like, if me getting in the Hall of Fame would make me feel better than I feel right now because my brother's going in the Hall of Fame, I don't want to go. Because that was a great, that weekend was a great weekend, being there with me, you, uh, Libby. uh, That was a great weekend. And so I I don't think about the Hall of Fame. But the argument is, well, he didn't do, they always talk about what I didn't do because not many people saw what I did. And with the coverage that we got in Green Bay, it's not like the coverage that you have in professional sports right now. But I'll take my seven years and you take any receiver's best seven years, just take their best seven years, I, I like the way my numbers stack up. It's not, my, you know, it's not my fault that I only played seven years. Sorry.
0: That Hall of Fame, for me, getting into the Hall of Fame and, and you were there every step of the way because you were there in 09 when I didn't get in. Uh, uh, that was
2: probably the lowest I'd ever seen you to. Yeah. That was worse than I'm going exactly. to the Army. And that was worse than I didn't get drafted on day one. Mm-hmm. That was the worst because I think you allowed yourself to let your guard down and say, "I had done what others, because I think at the time, it was you, Ozzie and John Mackey, you know, mm-hmm. hey, who's the better? John uh, Mackey?
0: Keller. Big Kelly. Big
2: oh, Kelly. I'm Kelly. So it was you, Ozzie. John Mack, because they're like John Mackey. Kel- so Kellen, he can go stand up and play wide receiver. Ozzie, he's not a dominant blocker, but he blocked for a dude that ran for two thousand yards, so he knows what he's doing. You know, John Mackey's just a crafty route runner. So I think you allowed yourself to look at your numbers and say definitely. And just just icing on the cake, I've been to three Super Bowls. So you can say, yeah, you won two Super Bowls, but you played with with John Elway and Terrell Davis. Hey, look, I went to Baltimore and, you know, we didn't have John Elway, Trent Dilfer, and and we won a Super Bowl. Right. And so when you didn't get selected that first year, I think that was probably the lowest I'd ever seen.
0: Yeah, I, I was disappointed because I'm saying to myself, if you didn't like my numbers this year, it's not like I can add to it next year. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like them next year, it's not like I'm going to add to them on the third year. And so for me, I thought, okay, I thought it was about winning. Well, no tight end at the time had won more games than I had won. Mm -hmm. Very few tight ends had had the the career that I had with the eight Pro Bowls. True. With the the all-pro selections, the Mm -hmm. 50-catch seasons, the Mm -hmm. 1,000-yard seasons. Nobody had ever done that. First tight end with 700 catches, 800 Mm -hmm. catches, Mm -hmm. with 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 yards. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, wait a minute. So, what do you need? What? So, so, I thought it was about winning, and then it was like, come to find out, winning only matters if they want you not to. If they want you to get in, mm-hmm. then it, it. And then they come. I don't believe you should come up with a reason to keep somebody out.
2: Well, they, like, if if you're looking at what someone didn't do, then, right. Okay, then they then fine. I'm never going to get in, and I'm going to be fine with that. But if you're looking for a way to, or you're looking for a way to keep someone out of the Hall of Fame, you know, because it's, you know, other than where is Jimmy Hoffa and Amelia Earhart, the only other, the most difficult question to ask is what's the criteria for getting into the Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame, because right. it's the most secretive and no one knows. And that's the thing is you go, I- I'm just looking at what I was able to, you know, and. I'm sorry, but I didn't draft the guys I got to play with. You know, I didn't set the schedule up. I didn't go – this is what I did. And I'm like, so if Shannon Sharpe's going to get in the Hall of Fame because he played in three Super Bowls, you, you're penalizing me for not having John Elway and Terrell Davis on the team, you know. So I, I, I just look at it like I, I say, you know what, I like my numbers and my numbers – and it's funny playing, the, you know, playing travel golf. Now I get a chance to be around a lot of hall of famers. I have a lot of friends who don't like being around those guys. They don't feel comfortable. And I feel comfortable. They, they you know, the Marcus Allens and the Jerome Bettises of the world, uh, the Eric Dickerson's uh, have always treated me wonderfully. And they'll make me feel like, Hey, I'm not a hall of famer. And so I, I'm like, I think that's because I, I, I'm, I'm happy about the way I played. I, I get, I played as hard as I could for as long as I could. And if I wasn't a hall of famer eight years ago, am I a hall of famer today? You know, am I, am I a hall of famer at 92? You know, and I, and I, I, you know, the other argument I say is if you put people in a, an arena, like the hall of fame, if you do it every year, you're going to have some people that shouldn't be in. You're going to have some people that's not going to get in. And so I'm like, I I like my numbers. And I said, you just take the top seven wide receivers, pick any seven, and you take their best seven years, and you stack their seven years up against my only seven, and let's see
0: where we are. Yeah, I mean, that's a a very compelling point. But for me, man, you know what, when I think about it, it's the one thing that I really, and, and it's a great honor. I mean, I was two, Mm -hmm. I think I was 267 that got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They're well over 300. I think they're in the 350s now. But for me, it's something that I really don't think of. And I get, Mm -hmm. you know, when when Skip refers to me as a Hall of Famer, I kind of get uneasy Mm -hmm. because I'm like, because yeah, it's me. I get the gold jacket, but so many other people Mm -hmm. played a part in me getting this gold jacket and so for me, I get on unc- like Super Bowls, that's the whole team because everybody on the team got a ring. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so th- that's something. And that when I went to Pro Bowl, when my first, uh, uh, my first time I was an all pro, mm-hmm. I got all the offensive linemen, uh, Rolexes. And that very few, very few, that's something running backs normally do, quarterbacks normally do. Mm-hmm. But I was just like so appreciative that I-, I wanted to thank them because I really thought they blocked a little harder when they knew the ball was going to come my way. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of get uneasy, and that's how I am. There are guys, like, I don't, like, get around someone who's like, oh, I'm in the Hall of Fame, you're not, or you're this and that. Th- that's not how I look at it because I know, and I know when we played you guys, I know what Wade Phillips was saying, and I know what the DBs were saying, and I know what other – go talk to Deion Sanders and Rod Wilson and Neil Williams and Darrell Green, guys that are in the Hall of Fame at the mm-hmm. cornerback position, and yeah. ask them, I know what they tell me about Sterling Sharp. So all that other stuff is fine and good. And and the people that vote, they vote. But I know what the guys that played said about my brother.
2: All I wanted was when a guy saw me in a supermarket or grocery store or in church, and he was sitting next to his kid, and he would say, that guy played in the NFL and I played against him and he was a son of a gun. That's all I've ever wanted was the respect of the guys I played against. That's all I've ever wanted. Um, I didn't even know that they had a Hall of Fame or a Pro Bowl when I first started. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know that they had an NFL record for, you know, leading the league in catches three times, or leading the league in yards once, and leading the league in, in touchdowns twice. You know, I didn't even know that. So you go, wait a minute, you play seven years and you led the league in a receiving category how many times? I don't know what that means, but there ain't a whole lot of guys that can say that. There's, right. You know? And so I'm just like, yeah, if, if you need me to play six more years, Well, I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen. I I, I agree. That's not going to happen. And and me not being in is going to be fine. But if you take the guys who are in, and I'm not saying the guys who, just take the guys who are in and take their best seven years and stack them up against my only seven, and you tell me what you think.
0: Bro, I really appreciate that. I know we don't get an opportunity to talk like this in depth, yeah, um, here in Carolina and playing golf, and I'm, I'm, I'm here out in California doing Undisputed every day, so we don't get an opportunity. Uh, but this is my very first podcast, and when we put this thing together, I said, there's no question who I know the first person going to be on my podcast is going to be, because it's the person that, although he's my brother, he's more like a father figure. And a lot of what you see, a lot of the, the player that I became, the man that I became, the values that I, that I have was because of him. And so, bro, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me and talk to me and and, and give people a glimpse into how we, how <laughs> yeah. Sterling and Shannon Sharp came to be. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times I think people see and hear me say things on television and they want to know just how much of that is real, how much of that is true. And for you to come on here and basically echo the things that we were, how we were brought up and things that my grandfather and my grandmother instilled yeah. in how they talked to, talk to yeah. us. And the discipline, the determination, the dedication—that um, really means a lot. And so I appreciate it. You know, I yeah. love. You. There isn't anything that I wouldn't do for you. No uh, doubt. As long as, as 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 long as I got life, you got life. As long as no I as, as long as I got a dollar, you got fifty cent. I got fifty cent.
2: Well, I was going to ask you to send that whole dollar, but we'll get back <laughs> to that a little bit later. on. Oh, I mean, you know, we get back to that. Le- no, you know, we've always been. There's no telling what a man can do nor how far he can go as long as he doesn't mind who gets the credit. And we've never cared, you know, and, and I, I say to people all the time, everybody used to think Shannon followed me around. And I was like, you didn't. I followed him. I'm like, and the thing was, is our lives were so parallel considering we we're, I'm three years older than you. And it's, it's like, it, it, you couldn't script it because, you know, you ended up in college, you ended up in the NFL, you ended up in TV. And I'm like, it, it, you couldn't script it. And I said, you know, doing this today, and I will tell America this, doing this today is the first time. I, I, I've been in television. I had never asked to do a sit down with my brother because I was like, I didn't want people to feel like, oh, this is a, or how it was gonna come across at the time. But, you know, doing this and getting a chance to reminisce about our days in Glenville and talking about Mary and Barney, and it, it definitely uh, reminds us that, you know what, God, life was easy when you just just follow your path. It's when we get off path is when we start to make mistakes. And I, I'm, I'm grateful for the way we were raised because that definitely helped us get to this point.
0: It did. And I should have charged you more when you cut me with that knife. I should have charged you more than what I actually charged you. Because now that I think about it, knowing what Papa was done.
2: I got the scar. I got the scar right here where you cut me, bro. I got the same scar. Hey, see? I got the same scar because if I didn't let you cut me, you were going to go turn me in. Like you did when you set the field on fire.
0: Whoa, 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 and whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. I- what we, was trying to do, we was trying to build something. You told me You say, go tell Papa somebody. 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 Okay. I got up to the house. I say, Papa, somebody set the field on fire. He interrogated me. He said, Was no one down there but you two boys? I said, He did it. I don't Mm -hmm. understand what you expected me to tell. There was a choice. And at that very moment, I had to make a choice. Mm -hmm. I either had to save myself from punishment, beyond punishment. Or I, I just to
2: want to. I just want America to know this. Is the same guy that said, "If I have a dollar, you have fifty cents." Yeah, 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 it's yeah The yeah. same
0: dude. But yeah, if I cut. had, to, but here's the thing: if I had told him I did it, I would not have been yeah. around to give you that dollar. <laughs> so that was I had, I had to factor all that in. I had to wear all. All
2: oh, the good old days, man. But I appreciate you having me on your first podcast. Uh, I got to see a good friend of mine who's working with you now. That I got a chance to raise at NFL Network, CJ. Oh, that's no, always good. great. I, I tell people the world is small, man. It's really small, and you don't know where you're going to run into people down the road, but it seems like CJ's doing well, so I'm glad that the Shay the Shay, the club Shea Shea uh, uh, podcast <laughs> is, 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 is going to make it happen for him. We need to do some work on that sign, but... <laughs> that's, that's
0: good that's well, just me. The, the next the next podcast i think it's gonna be probably be blue or green so i like
2: it i like it yeah just sort of show up a little bit better you know i can't tell whether you're wearing sunglasses or you got boxing <laughs> gloves on but <laughs> but it's a good looking sign regardless
0: i appreciate that bro all the all best right, love man. you man
2: yes sir i'll talk to you all
0: my life been grinding all my
2: life sacrifice hustle paid the price want to
0: slice got the roll of dice to swap. all my life i've been grinding
1: all my life all my life been grinding all my life sacrifice hustle pay the price want to slice got the roll of dice to swap. all my life i've been grinding all my life infinity presents a new chapter in luxury